You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's time for Warriors This Week. All right, welcome in. John Dickinson joined by Whitey Gleason, and we got a full day of Warriors basketball playoff coverage, Western semifinals, game three tonight. We're getting it tipped off right now, right here on 95.7, the game with the Warriors and the Grizzlies. 5.30 tip-off from Chase Center as this series, Whitey, shifts from Memphis out here to the Bay Area, and wow, what what a series it's been to this point, Whitey. Yeah, J.D., I, I just got to say, uh, yeah, you're right. Obviously, the first two games from a competitive standpoint, everything that we hoped for and expected and more. That said, to me, there's, there's a pall that hangs over this series, um, and it has to do with what Dylan Brooks did to uh, Gary Payton II. Just give you an idea where I'm coming from. As you know, last week we were on after game one, and – I thought that Draymond Green deserved that flagrant, too. I think I'm in the minority. I'm just giving you an idea. I'm not saying that everything the Warriors do is great. Everything Memphis does is terrible. I thought Draymond deserved to be ejected, and he was, and we move on. But what Dylan Brooks did, and in my mind, to a degree, that was retaliation for what Draymond did. What he did coming from behind like that, it was about the most gutless play I think I've ever seen in sports. In baseball, if a pitcher throws at somebody, you know, sometimes that's way over the line, but at least the hitter has a chance to see the ball coming. In football, sometimes you see a quarterback blindsided, and sometimes that's a cheap shot, but at least a quarterback knows, hey, it's football and someone's coming for me. In basketball, for Gary Payton II to be trying to make a play and for Dylan Brooks to come from behind him and club him in the back of the head, I thought he got off lucky with a one-game suspension. It honestly, J.D., watching the game, as great as that game was, I felt a little bit sick because of that. And it wasn't because Gary Payton II got hurt. That was awful. But it wasn't just because he got hurt that I felt sick. It's when you think of what sports are supposed to stand for, especially a series this competitive. And then to see that play, it made me sick. I was at least somewhat encouraged to hear Brandon Clark, he was on Zach Lowe's podcast, and he said, because I lost some respect for Taylor Jenkins, a coach of the Grizzlies, the way he handled it, but Brandon Clark at least admitted, you know what, that foul was way too hard. So that was awful. Hopefully it's behind us now. Obviously it won't be behind us because Gary Payton II's out and Dylan Brooks is out tonight. The Warriors are going to miss Gary Payton II a lot in this series, but all things considered, J.D., um, they're in good shape after those first two games. So thank you for letting me get that off my chest. We move on. Looking forward to the rest of this series. Well, we move on, and Dylan Brooks will, will not play tonight, suspended for game three, and, and the precedent there. Obviously, a lot of people quoting Grayson Allen when he had injured Alex Caruso, and Caruso was going to miss time on a, on a flagrant uh, penalty two foul, and, and so one game was, was sort of where it stopped and, and started. The league does consider uh, a player getting injured in their evaluation of whether a player gets suspended or not, so I thought it was a pretty good bet that Brooks was going to get suspended uh, for the game tonight once it was revealed that Gary Payton II was going to miss at least the next two weeks, but but let's be honest, probably more than the next two weeks. That's just the reevaluation uh, date uh, as far as things go there, and, and the impression I get, Whitey, from being at Warriors practice uh, the last couple of days, and in particular on Thursday, uh, Steve Kerr and, and the Warriors, they're still bristling mm-hmm. about what happened to, to Gary Payton, and, and to have Steve 
uh, you know, being asked a, an innocuous question a, 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 about just, you know, the Warriors' mindset for, for the you know, moving forward in the series. And for him to say, quote, just play hard, battle for every loose ball, battle for every rebound, compete for every possession, you know, and don't risk a guy's career if he's ahead mm-hmm. of the play in transition. Like, that was just, a, I mean, for him to throw that in and a question that really wasn't even about that, uh, I mean, it just goes to show that that the Warriors are still feeling it uh, as far as as what happened and feeling awful for Gary Payton the second. Hopefully they're able to channel that in such a way as to um, magnify their focus on the task at hand because yeah, I think that they're in really good shape in this series, but obviously it's not going to be easy from here. If they make a few more shots, that makes many, if not all of the things they need to start doing a lot easier. Um, that said, it's just going to be that way the rest of the way. I know I know, nobody reads newspapers anymore, J.D., but I happened to just check this morning the, uh, what is it, the, the Memphis Journal, whatever, I forget the name of the commercial. Yeah, commercial you can get field. it online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so their, their uh, top columnist, his name is Mark Giannato, and I don't, I don't know him, but Mark Giannato's column today, uh, yeah, it's a commercial appeal. I hate the Golden State Warriors, and the NBA playoffs are better off for it. So that's just the mood of the series. The rest way, hopefully it won't cross the line again. Hopefully the Warriors can channel all that understandable anger and frustration into doing the job and dispatching the Grizzlies with haste. Big game tonight. Tonight a win would go a long ways towards establishing, hey, you guys had a nice year, but we got the championship pedigree. And just to that point on on that column, and and look, I don't want to make it about that in a in a, in a back and forth necessarily about you know opinions of other people's opinions, but the one thing that I will tell you from being in Memphis for Game One and, and Game Two, and then coming back on on Wednesday, you know there there was a lot of equating to what Draymond Green did and what Dylan Brooks did, and to me they're in a couple of different categories, but there's also I, I do think there is a little bit of uh, the, and, and I know you know we've spent time in Sacramento and covered the Kings for a long time. I do think there is a little bit of a small town versus big city type vibe from the Memphis side of things, and I'm talking about the media and the fans and the like. Is in that well, the Warriors from the big city, they can get away with whatever they want. Draymond is the quote unquote code breaker uh, that that Steve Kerr t- you know, talks about uh, when when he went in on Dylan Brooks after Game Two, and I do think there is a little bit of this. I know way back a long time ago when the Lakers played the Kings, it was kind of the, oh, the Lakers, everybody in the league wants the Lakers to win. They're the, they're the shiny toy. Nobody wants the, you know, Oklahoma City dealt with that, obviously, in their series against the Warriors. I do think there is a little bit of that small town chip versus, oh, the big bad Bay Area folks. Yeah, that's a great point. I hadn't considered that, but I think you're absolutely right. By the way, footnote to that whole Kings-Lakers thing when the Lakers beat the Kings in the controversial series <laughs> and the Kings were the, oh, the poor little underdogs, and the Kings actually had a higher payroll <laughs> than the Lakers did that year. But be that as it may, um, you're right, and that's why, you know, Taylor Jenkins, I know he was in a tough spot as he addressed it. I think he could have done a better job. But to me, the fact that Brandon Clark, the guy who was fouled by Draymond Green, for him to come out and say, um, he went too far. He did something he shouldn't have done. Dylan definitely fouled him way too hard. To me, that's all the proof you need. This is the guy who was fouled by Draymond, but this is a professional basketball player who recognizes what Dylan Brooks did went way over the line. And that's why, as I said, honestly, it made me feel a little sick. One of the worst things I've ever seen in sports. 888-957-9570. That's the phone number to participate in the program. You can give us a call or shoot us a text as uh, we discuss Game 3 coming up tonight, Warriors and the Grizzlies with Game 3 tonight, Game 4 tomorrow, Game four rather on Monday night, and then the Warriors and Grizzlies going back to Memphis for Game 5, which is going to be on Wednesday night. Uh, as you look at, at the way the actual games have played out uh, in the first two, Whitey, uh, Warriors with a great opportunity, obviously, to steal uh two in Memphis, but couldn't make a shot in game number two. John Morant gets rolling, gets to the free throw line, goes for 47 and, and a more efficient 
47 than the 34 he had in game one. Warriors had made some big plays against Ja down the stretch. The, the Curry uh, poke away, the, the Clay Thompson uh, defense that we talked about on Warriors wrap-up after game one where he was able to get Gary uh, get uh, along with Gary Payton, Ja Morant off his spot to force him to, to miss that layup. Just kind of general thoughts on, on the first two games and, and I think pretty clear the loss of Gary Payton is I mean, on full display when you look at what Ja was able to do with him out of that game compared to game one. Uh, looking at it from both sides, Warriors offense, Warriors defense. Offensively, of course, as we all know, we all watch the game, you know, seven for 38 is like, what in the world was that? It wasn't just the Warriors having one of those nights. It was part of it. But Memphis, to me, it was reminiscent, J.D., of the first time this season when they played Memphis did a good job of running the Warriors off the three-point line. And then as a result, you had the Warriors taking poorer shots. They didn't adjust to that very well. Clay, especially, he was, what, five for 19. You know, Clay, when he's a spot-up shooter, catch-and-shoot three, it's a it's beautiful. The, the form is like, oh, my goodness, that's textbook. And instead, when he's run off the three-point line and he's shooting the one-legged fallaways on the baseline, it's like, nope, nope, nope. And I'm sure he'll recognize that. But there was far too much of that in the last game. So if the Warriors can adjust to that, if they're running them off the three-point line, take advantage and get to the basket and shoot more uh, mid-range jumpers, I think if they make more shots, as I said earlier, it's going to make a lot of the other issues they're having easier to deal with. Of course, they got to cut down on the turnovers. We could spend the whole show talking about that. As far as when Memphis has the ball, you know, now without uh, Gary Payton II, they're going to have to just throw a lot of different things at Ja. And I thought, Steve Kerr, you were probably there. Maybe you asked the question uh, when he said, you you can't stop Ja. You, you really can't. But they're going to have to do so many different things, blitz him at times. That is, you know, when he comes off a screen, both you have to double him hard. Uh, play a little more zone. I know the Warriors were letting him have the three-point shot, and he was, what, 5 for 12? So they decided, yeah, we got to let him have the three-point shot, but you got to at least get a hand up in his face. So those are two of the absolute keys here. And then you got the Steven Adams factor as well here. If the Warriors are shooting the ball well, I think there's a good chance they can limit Steven Adams' numbers in this series. He only played 31 minutes uh, against Minnesota before he got sick because he couldn't keep up with Cat. Um, so I think the Warriors have a good chance here of keeping him off the floor. But if Steven Adams is able to stay on the floor, he could help to make up for some of the actual rebounding difference, the disadvantage Memphis has been at. That's been one of the biggest surprises of this whole series so far. Well, and, and you just look at Draymond Green yesterday saying that he thought that the Warriors' defense overall has been had pretty good in the series. Maybe some adjustments at the end of the game. Again, they made a couple of key stops against John Morant in game one. They, they were unable to get those stops in game two. Uh, but really, it, it falls more on, I think, the offense. And I thought the other just interesting takeaway from, from Steve Kerr was just how uh, you know, and, and Draymond echoed this, the bad shots that mm-hmm. the Warriors are taking, quick shots that, that, that the Warriors are taking. I think at times they've they've gotten a little caught up, and yes, they want to play fast, but it seems like they've gotten a little caught up in the, in the frenetic tempo that the Grizzlies want to play at, and it's actually forced them to, to maybe take some quick shots, some contested shots. When the Warriors have been a little more patient offensively, the Grizzlies are, are, are coming out hard, and, and they've left the basket really open. I mean, you look at the paint points in, in game number two. Warriors with 60 points in the paint in game two. Now, yeah, couldn't make a three. You got to score somewhere. But I think just a more patient approach offensively, and they can get better shots. And the better shots, even if those shots aren't going in, would lead to fewer transition opportunities or the game just – starting to get played at such a frenetic pace that at times the Warriors maybe can't totally keep up unless they're making shots at an extremely high level, which they weren't doing in, in the game on Tuesday night. Yeah, you're right. They clearly, the Warriors were clearly willing participants in their own demise in game two with, with the shot selection. And if they make shots, of course, then all of a sudden you got jaw. He's not in transition when he's so deadly. So, yeah, the Warriors, some of it was just rushing. Some of it was, I think, you have to give Memphis a little bit of credit for the way they overplayed the three-point line. But you're right. I mean, Memphis only shot, uh, what did they shoot in the second game? 
Uh, they 39. were 39.6. Yeah. yeah. So the Warriors are getting a lot of things done. Shot selection, again, give Memphis a little bit of a tip of the cap for how they've defended, but that's something within the Warriors' own control. So, again, all things considered, a lot of variables. I, I think they're still in really good shape as much as they regret not having uh, won both those games in Memphis. Yeah, I, I like where they're at in terms of, of course, you want to go and, and you want to get the split and, and come back, and then you see if you can win two at home. I, I do think the Gary Payton injury changes that a little bit. I think the Warriors would have felt really good yep. if they had come back 1-1 and the games had played out even the way that they did, but Gary Payton the second was in the fold. I do think that gives the Grizzlies uh, – you know, the Warriors are going to have to do something different than, than what maybe the original game plan was because they're not going to have Gary Payton II for, for the remainder of, of this series and beyond. So I do think that opens the door a little for the Grizzlies to maybe get rolling offensively in a way that they hadn't really been able to roll in, in the first two games of this series. 888-957-9570, 9570 John Dickinson, Whitey Gleason, Warriors this week. Uh, 95.7 The Game, Game 3 tonight. Uh, let, let's get it rolling on the phone lines, Whitey, uh, with Bob in Marin uh, up first here. What's going on, Bob? You're on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Jenny, good morning. Good morning, Whitey. I, I just It's a great day. It's beautiful outside, and I think Warriors, they just got to go back and have fun. And, and Jenny, I had a question for you. After that last game, there was a little exchange between Ja and Steph, where he said something to Steph, Steph kind of turned around, looked at him, and he kind of shook his head again and said, yeah, I'm coming for you, or something like that. What's the, like, you travel with the team, what is the mindset with this team right now? Like, I, I, I want to see the old Steph that wants to come out and have fun instead of the serious Steph, and I really want them to take the take the defense seriously and just, just shoot the ball and have fun. Like, are you seeing that with them? And also, another thing, do you think Kaminga will start today? Because I would think that would be an awesome choice for them to start Kaminga today. That's all. Yeah, appreciate the call. I, I don't know about Kaminga starting. I think he's he's definitely going to play more. I know figuring out who would go back into the starting lineup now with Gary Payton the second out. The Warriors have started Jordan Poole in both of the third quarters. I've just assumed it's going to be the three-guard lineup at the start, and the Warriors are going to try to get rolling there. Uh, but I do think Kaminga's going to play – a little bit more. I know he had the 14 minutes in, in game two, and he was right around, I think, 15 minutes uh, in game in game one. I don't think they want to necessarily overplay Kaminga unless Kaminga's you know, really playing well, but he's going to have to play now with Peyton and, and obviously with, with Iguodala out already. Yeah, and I can shed some light on that exchange uh, because Ja talked about it. Um, apparently after mm-hmm. the first game, Steph said to Ja, it's going to be a battle. We're going to have fun. And then after Memphis won the second game, and you can you look at the video, you can read his lips. Josh said to Steph, oh, yeah, we're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun. So apparently it was the two of them had said, you know, Steph had said something originally about having fun, and Josh just said, oh, yeah, we're going to have fun. So so that's that's what that was uh, that was all about. I don't see Kaminga starting either, J.D. Yeah, expanded role, but I know last week we were, we were skeptical that GP2 would start, uh, and he did, but I don't see Kaminga in the starting lineup. No, and, and so what do you, do you think they, they go back to the, the three-guard lineup? I just think putting Kaminga in there at the beginning, even, that, if, that lends itself to the Grizzlies maybe having somebody that they feel that they can, they can attack. And if he's just not fully buttoned up and engaged, you have the potential there, I think, to get off to, a, to maybe a little bit of a, of a bad start. But look, the Warriors have been full of surprises with – with their starting lineups, and I mean, Game One is is a perfect example of that. With Gary Payton the second going into the starting lineup, do you think they would go to? You think they would go to Kevon Looney uh, again and and keep uh, Jordan Poole uh, off the bench? Go with Looney, Draymond, Wiggins, Clay, and Steph, and keep Jordan Poole coming off the bench. I know Steve Kerr yesterday with uh, the the quote about. You know, not you know, he said the line that lineup, the three guard lineup, not a lineup to be playing twenty five minutes. Now they could still start and finish and right. maybe play sixteen to twenty minutes. So I don't know that it necessarily is an indicator of, of who he would start or not start. But where do you think the Warriors go as far as as far as the starting lineup? Would they go back to Looney or is it the three guard ro- rotation in your in your mind? My guess is it'd be the three guard rotation, but I think given what we saw in game two, one of the differences we're gonna see as angry as it may make a lot of Warrior fans is, he played eight minutes in uh, game two. 
I think Damian Lee may get a little more run here, yeah. given the, the shorthanded nature of the backcourt right now, J.D. I don't think there's any doubt Damian Lee's going to play. I think Kaminga's going to play and Damian Lee's going to play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've both, they've both played. I know Lee play, didn't play a lot in either game, but he did play in both games. And I think the foul trouble in game one was was part of it. And, and Steve Kerr went to – Went to Lee before Kaminga even, which I think, you know, obviously a lot of Warrior fans are you know, not not necessarily into <laughs> into that decision. But, no, you look at Peyton II being out now, you look at how much the Warriors are going to want to play their, you know, their their traditional bigs. I mean, Looney played nine minutes in, in, in game two. So I, I think they are going to be looking at, at both of those guys playing with, you know, I know some have said, what about Juan Toscano Anderson? I'm not, I'm not sure about that. Although the physicality of this series, uh, definitely. I think he, from that standpoint, he would fit right in, uh, in, in terms of, but who's he going to guard? You know, is he somebody you're going to put on John Morant? Like, I don't really think that's necessarily the best kind of a matchup for, for him. Uh, but I, I do think there are with a couple of players now out, that means a couple of players are going to have to go into the rotation. I think I think Kaminga and even a little bit of Lee, I think that that definitely could happen. And look, nobody would question Lee's toughness. And if he can make a couple of three-pointers, he actually does have the potential to, to help the Warriors as long as he's not making the catastrophic turn. You know, he's just got to keep it moving, take an open shot, hopefully hit it if it's there. And, and other than that, I do think he fits into this series because he is a physical player that that will you know he'll he'll lay a shot on somebody mm-hmm. from time to time and who's the player that Steve Kerr mentioned that we haven't mentioned yet Andre Iguodala so we'll see if he's healthy enough to go on what he can give the words I do hope that his wisdom prevails here because I know we've talked already about all the back and forth and all the emotion and that's only going to probably get ratcheted up but you know Draymond said this week hey your emotions should get the best of you which I hope he doesn't literally mean that because you know you don't want your emotions running out of control. You have to be focused. And and uh, when Draymond was going nuts after he got ejected, we saw Andre Iguodala, who wasn't suited up. We saw him trying to settle down Draymond Green. And we know after the game one win, when Clay was so excited, Andre Iguodala told him composure, composure. So hopefully. Andre Iguodala can help the team right now through this very emotional time. Look, guys, we have to focus. We have to maintain composure and focus on what we have to do and kick their asses that way. So I think Andre Iguodala, hopefully he can help on the court, but I'm hoping his you know, wisdom and mentorship, all those things that we said, oh, he'll bring a lot of that. I think whatever he has to bring in that capacity right now, this is when the Warriors could really stand to benefit from that. No, I, I think you're spot on about that. And, of course, Iguodala won't be helping on the court for the next three games three now games. with the announcement on Thursday uh, that he'll be reevaluated in a week. So a week from Thursday wipes out tonight on the floor, wipes out game four on the floor. And, again, the timing of it would wipe out game five, which is going to be on Wednesday. So a reevaluation point uh, of Thursday, and that would leave a potential game six or, or seven on the table at least at this point, uh, but the Warriors may have to advance in this series without uh, Andre Iguodala. 888-957-9570. Let's continue with Hex uh, on 95.7 The Game. What's going on, Hex? Hey, guys. Love the show. A couple things. First off, the only reason I think they'd go with the three-guard lineup tonight is just to let Poole have a sense of starting because he seems to do better when he starts. But I frankly would rather see Looney in there. I think Looney will help calm down Draymond. Draymond doesn't have as much defensive pressure, you know, down low with Looney being there. The other thing is, uh, at times they put Lee in, he looks like he's almost hiding. He's running around. He really doesn't want to shoot the ball. I just don't see him. I see him running around sort of like a scared cat in a way. Whereas I'd, I'd actually like to see Moody. Moody looked really good at the end of the season. You know, he's got some hops. And so if they're going to put somebody in like that, I'd like to see that. And I also think there's a chance that we might see Bielitsa again, though he didn't look very good in that first game. Uh, you know, he's a tall. He's, you know, he is doing, he was more active under the basket. So my, my lean in the start is to see Looney start and then maybe bring uh, Poole in, unless they just want Poole to get that, 
feeling at the beginning of the game. That's it for me. Yeah, thank thanks for the call, Hex. Uh, and look, the three guard lineup progressively as the playoffs have gone on has not been as effective. So it's not the the no brainer, you know, panacea. Hey, just go to that because you know it's going to perform. It has not performed at at the highest level in in this series specifically, and in game two, uh, you know, especially. The problem with Looney and Draymond on the floor at the same time is, again, you're so much easier to guard. It's just a lot of, you know, there's just less of a threat there. So you make it the other team, the defense's job uh, a lot easier. Not not easy necessarily, but a lot easier. So I, I think that's why we've seen of late Steve Kerr has been so determined to separate Draymond and Looney. Um, they're just, you know, they just don't threaten you offensively. I know Draymond's numbers right now, his shooting numbers have been good, but, you know, that's, those are um, uh, uh, opportunistic points that he's scoring. So I'd be surprised. I understand the reasoning, but I'd be surprised if Looney's in the in the lineup for starting lineup for that reason. Let, let's get one more uh, in here, Austin and San Jose, before we take our first break of the morning. What's going on, Austin? Hey, fellas. Good uh, good morning, to guys. Nice to talk to you again. Listen, Hex uh, has some good takes, man. The previous caller about Looney, I was kind of thinking the same direction. You need to have some stability in that. First in that first quarter, I know the three-guard lineup is sexy and all that, but what do you what do you do if that doesn't work and you get behind? See, so and people forget the first game when when Draymond got thrown out, uh, Looney came in and did a hell of a job to keep the uh, stabilized yeah. offense, keep the movement going, uh, right cutting. Uh, Looney's fundamentally sound, which I've always loved about him. He gets you those layups, so it's not about just all threes. Uh, the other part of it, guys, nobody, you guys aren't talking. I know as much as everybody's harping on uh, GP2 and, the, hey, we miss him, we love him, we want him back, but he was the 15th guy on the roster, man. It's, my whole thing is next man up. Who who in this backup unit wants to earn their spot now? And um, to me, that's what we're going to find out uh, between Coach, Co- Coach Kerr's coaching and who wants to step up and become that guy. It's an opportunity now. Let's get it done. But, yeah, I'm not interested in seeing the three. I think that Memphis may have figured out the big three. Um, so we need to do something different. And finally, guys, the defense. You guys haven't talked enough about Clay Thompson. And they've been isolating Clay. I don't know if you guys realize that. Kirkenback wrote an article in the Mercury that they've been Memphis has been isolating Clay on purpose. So that's something that's going to have to be addressed. Thanks, guys. Yeah, appreciate the call. We'll get into that coming back, Whitey. Eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. Uh, we'll also continue the conversation uh, as far as who's going to step up and who's into the starting lineup. We'll take a closer look at that three-guard lineup as well, Whitey. Uh, John Dickinson, Whitey Gleason. It's Warriors this week. Phone lines are open. We're getting you ready for game three right here on 95.7 The Game. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Brooks with a catch. He's wide open left corner. Misses a three. Draymond Green. Has the rebound. Still 8-0 Memphis. Pass ahead to Payton. Goes in. Got fouled hard by Brooks. They might have to take a look at this one. Yeah, they are. They're going to review it. Eric Lewis says, let's take a look at this one. Well, he's still down. Yes. That's a hard foul, Jim. Foul the floor has been upgraded to a player foul penalty, too, for wind-up, impact, and follow-through to the head. While the player was prone to injury, Dylan Brooks will be ejected from the game. 
So, so it is a flagrant two. Now back to Warriors this week on 95.7 The Game. Yeah, and that coming just two minutes and 52 seconds into the ball game on Tuesday, game two, Tim Roy, Jim Barnett on the call there. And the update uh, from a couple of days ago on Gary Payton II, uh, it had the MRI, which confirmed the fracture in his left elbow, in addition to ligament and muscle damage. I know uh, when, when you read that and then you hear, and I know there are a lot of different layers to uh, the anger by which Steve Kerr has discussed this. I think you know, first and foremost, though, uh, when you read, all right, the fractured elbow and ligament and muscle damage, we've heard Steve Kerr uh, at a couple of different points, Whitey, you know, mention Gary Payton's career and mention a player's careers. You don't put a player's career in, in jeopardy you know, for a, a play like that. Uh, I, I think that that's where, yes, this series – but Gary Payton II, as a you know, player that's bounced around and, and really for the first time is, is making a, a name for himself in this league, you know, this has the potential to have some, some negative impact on the future of his career moving forward. Yeah, and here's the thing. We haven't heard from Dylan Brooks yet. At some point, he's probably said and probably will say, you know, I didn't mean to hurt him. But here's the thing. To make a play like that, maybe his intent was not to injure Gary Payton II. But clearly, if you're going to make a play like that, you don't care if you hurt him or not. It, I, I wasn't trying to hurt yeah, him. You're but knocking if, him on his ass. Right you're, right. you're going up to knock him on his ass. And if, if something happens, then, yes. then obviously that you got to deal with that the ramifications of it. Go ahead. Yeah, Sorry. yeah. No, you're right. It, you could say, I didn't mean to hurt him, but clearly you're going to do that to somebody. You don't really care if you hurt him or not. So it's absolutely reckless. Now, to Austin's point, and it's a great point about, hey, Gary Payton II, he was the last man on the roster, next man up. He's not right. in this that's, series. Well, that's the reality. <laughs> He's right. That has to be, you know, that's, that's your only choice. But it speaks to what a unique player Gary Payton II is, and in some ways what he gives you more than anybody else on the team is what you need the most right now against this particular opponent. So, um, yeah, it's going to be quite a hurdle. 888-957-9570. I want to go back to uh, another part of Austin's call, and he was talking about Clay Thompson's defense. And, you know, the Warriors have been okay, I think, when Clay Thompson has been able to guard up. And, and he's held his own, I think, with, with bigger players. But the, the – he, I think we are seeing, and, and he played 41 minutes in, in game two. He played the 30 minutes in, in game one and obviously hit the, the, the big shot there. But they are really the Grizzlies trying to go at Clay Thompson and, and I think grind him down to a point where physically maybe he doesn't have enough left in the tank to maybe hit as many shots as we're used to seeing him hit. Yeah, and that's what the Warriors need to do with Jaw. I saw some numbers at NBA.com. And they're interesting, but they can be a little misleading because it's who was guarding Jaw when he was scoring points. And keep in mind, some of this is in transition. For example, it may surprise you. It surprised me to know. Jaw has scored the most points here. If you go individually, he has scored 18 points in the series so far against Draymond Green. But see, a lot of that is Draymond on switches or Draymond in transition. Mm -hmm. So it's a little misleading. Uh, he scored 16 against Wiggins, but he's made 5 of 14. Now against Clay, Jaw has scored 17 points in four and a half minutes, and he's 8 of 10. Again, a lot of that is transition and switches. And against Poole, Jaw Morant has scored 11 points, and he's made 5 out of 8 shots. So, yeah, there's no question that uh, Clay is not the defender he was. But I think if, when they have their druthers, and you can see it, you can see if you go back and look at some of the plays there with Jaws waving off a screen or taking a screen, he's going after Jordan Poole. And the way he twisted Jordan Poole yes. around, you can't blame him for doing that. But that's, I think, a bigger defensive worry for the Warriors right now than Clay. I, I agree with you. I, I, I completely agree with you because it so much of the playoffs, Whitey, becomes – can your best players, the players that have to be on the floor, hold their own defensively? We've seen a little bit of that in the the series with Phoenix and Dallas. Yeah. We had Jason Kidd essentially call out Luka Doncic and say, "Hey, you got to participate. You got to you got to try just a little bit on on defense because you are our best player and you're going to be on the floor regardless." And I think a lot of these playoff series, you know, there are certain players that are just going to have to be out there regardless. 
and then the other minutes are divvied up between you know who can who can be I think you know gives you more two way minutes, but not everybody can give you two way minutes. So it becomes it becomes which weak links can the opposition attack in terms mm-hmm. of those players that are going to be on the floor. And I think yeah, for all of the the chatter about Clay Thompson. The, the rat on the table is Jordan Poole because he is the worst defender that the Warriors have by far when it comes to uh, that group that is going to be out there playing with regularity. And they need his offense. I mean, he, he won them game one, for crying out loud. Uh, but, but they have to be able to mitigate the impact when the Grizzlies are going at him defensively. Yeah, and I think the way you do that, and I'm not the first to say this, but – given the you know the mismatch nature of it and as you say that's the nature of the playoffs now is hunting guys you know teams are hunting for matchups but what do you do if if it's a bad matchup for you you're the warriors defensively boy it's tough stopping this guy man to man you're going to probably see more zone and i think maybe more blitzes i know they had one play in particular where they blitz jaw coming off the screen and he almost turned the ball over and it ended up going to i think Zaire Williams made a 3 so you know you have to mix it up you're kind of guessing uh, but I think we'll see more zone mixed in, and I think we'll see more aggressive doubles when he's coming off the screens. I, I think that's really about all you have to work with here um, without Gary Payton the second to match up with Ja. 888-957-9570. Let's get Jerry and Bayview next here on 95.7 The Game. What's going on, Jerry? Uh, hey, guys. I love your Saturday morning show, my new favorite show. Hey, uh, with regards to uh, what you guys are talking about, defensively, I think it starts on the offensive end. I mean, the the Warriors are settling for too many three-pointers and letting them off the hook. I mean, we don't have a chance to have a rebound. We don't have a chance at a foul. And I think this has been a problem for a long, long time. I mean, Clay and Steph are shooting, you know, they haven't evolved in their shot selection. And, and that goes for Draymond, our quarterback. I mean, there's times when they have a three-foot shot in the lane and they pass it out for a three and that infuriates me even though they may call that a good shot I, I just believe that like shots in the lane are like body blows with with boxing and the three-pointers are like headshots and they're just you know swinging for the home runs constantly and it's infuriating and uh, I think some of the best lineups have had Jonathan Kuminga in there where he, you know, offensive rebounds, and he might miss a shot. Another guy gets gets an offensive rebound. I just think, you know, controlling the lane and doing what the other team's doing to you, they're pounding the lane against us, and let's pound the lane back on them. I mean, are, are we a jump-shooting team? Are we a strictly a three-point shooting team or what? And making them work on the offensive end will, will really help us on, on the defensive end. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jerry. I mean, one trend this year in particular for the Warriors is they've gotten back toward the, the top of, of the NBA mountain, Whitey. This team really, they, they have been more dependent on the three ball needing to go in as far as their success than, than they have in, in other years where they were great. Now you can say, well, wait a minute, they were making a lot of three. And look, this team, but when they don't shoot the three ball well, well they're extremely vulnerable. I will say this, though, Whitey, again, 60 points in the paint. On in game two, they were in game one when they got back into the game. They were taking advantage, I think, of of overplays and 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 beating the Grizzlies, you know, at the basket with with some passes over the top toward the basket. So I, I do think the Warriors have taken advantage of it at different times in these first two games of the series. But the Warriors are, in some ways, who they are, and and who they are is a, a team that that wants to shoot more threes than they did even in those other years so uh, you know it's just about what types of threes are you taking and I think that's where you know if you're if you're keeping the ball moving a little bit more it's the old you know pass on a good shot to get a great shot and and continue to make the defense work I think that's that's where the Warriors have to be a little bit more patient the other reality is and look I think the Grizzlies deserve credit for how they've defended the Warriors Whitey but the other reality is the fact that you know, if a couple of these shots go in, we're having a mm-hmm. different conversation and nobody's really talking about shot selection, which I think at times this season happens, you know, has happened. And, you know, the, 
the Denver series, I think, is a great example. They come out lights out the first three games of that series. None of those shots were bad shots because they were hitting all of them, and all we're talking about is nicknames for the for the three <laughs> guards at that point. So, I mean, it just there is a fine line between the the, the identity of this team is three point shooting. I think more than it even was going back to 2014, 15, 16. First of all, Jerry obviously is a very astute individual. If this is his favorite show, we know that, okay, this is a, this is a smart guy, knows the game, right? True. Um, he made some really interesting points. I do think I do think the Warriors took a lot of bad shots in, in the last game, and I think the way they continue to adjust to the way Memphis is running them off the three-point line is one of the keys, certainly tonight and perhaps beyond. You know, in a playoff series, it's like each game – has its own identity and some trends. I've, they're just one game trends as teams adjust to them. So I think that's a great point. Also, I think, you know, when we talk about the offensive issues the Warriors are having and how that contributes to Memphis's success, turnovers again. And I, we've been saying that for, well, you've probably been saying that for like five, six years. Boy, too many turnovers. And hopefully, you know, the Warriors know that. Um, they got to at least clean up the bad turnovers. I mean, they had some really sloppy bad. You know, Steph with a left-handed looping, uh, one-handed pass that gets intercepted. It's like, just, there's just no reason to do that. So hopefully they can clean that up. Sometimes it takes a loss to remind you, even though you know it's like, yeah, we can't do that. And then just to Kaminga real quick, because I know not to, you know, disagree with Jerry, but a lot of people are saying, wow, Kaminga, when he's on the floor, they're doing great, and this is really, really neither here nor there, but 29 and a half minutes so far with Kaminga on the floor, the Warriors are minus two, okay? That's not terrible, but it's not great. So that's that's the bottom line. With Kaminga and those lineups on the floor so far in these two games, Warriors are minus two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think Kaminga does bring an element of – you know, when when he's rebounding, when he's hustling, when he like when it's not just about the flash play. See, I think he makes enough flash plays to where that's for for most fans that's enough, right? The flash plays that all right, get him out there. Want to see more of this? And and I get it, but but to me, it's the little things. It's the things that 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 a lot of fans don't see that are the indicators as to whether Kaminga is on the floor or not. You know, defensive rotation mistakes. Hustle is one thing. Like sometimes he'll make a he'll make a play where it looks like wow he's really hustling, but maybe the three or four plays that led up to that play where everybody went wow, maybe he wasn't hustling a little bit. So he, he there's a, a more keen eye that I think that the Warriors coaching staff uh, watches him with in terms of his ability to help. Now that being said, he's going to have to play more in, in, in the, in the next couple of games because of Peyton's injury and because of Iguodala not coming back until at this point, at at least if there's a game six, we don't even know if there's going to be a game six and Kaminga does in theory provide an attacker mentality in terms of putting his head down, drawing fouls, putting his head down, getting to the basket for a, for a layup or a dunk. It's just the, the key with Kaminga is the other things. The key with Kaminga is he running hard? Is he helping him on the glass? Is he not falling asleep defensively? Yeah, and some of it is not just falling asleep. It's just it's not knowing what to do. And there are some tough physical matchups for him against the the Memphis front court. Uh, that said, he did have he had five rebounds in the last game and he scored nine points. But overall, you know they were they were even when yeah. he was on the floor. Uh, and just another point here, JD. How do you think the series may change here, given that starting tonight, I mean, it's been forever since the last game, but we're going pretty much every other night here uh, the rest of the way. Yeah, I, I think both teams needed the three-day break, given the physicality of the, of the first two games. I think it for tonight specifically, I mean, the Warriors is the older team. I think it, it helps the Warriors more specifically tonight. I think it helps the Grizzlies as the, as the mm-hmm. series goes on. So I, I think – you know the the Warriors making sure that they get uh, as many as they can quick as quickly. Like I think getting tonight is important for yes. the Warriors. Yes, get, get right back ahead two to one, and then you put the pressure on the Grizzlies because I think it gets harder if you're the Grizzlies to win at Chase Center. And now they have with Warriors holding home court advantage with winning game one. The Grizzlies have to win a game at Chase Center, and I I am a firm believer that it it gets more difficult to win that road game with each game. So, you know, tonight I feel like is the best chance for the, for the Grizzlies to 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 win. You know, you can say, "Well, wait a minute, Dylan Brooks isn't playing." You know, whatever, we can quibble about that. But the point I'm getting at is I I think as this thing goes forward, the youth of the Grizzlies 
I think that plays out. And even getting a guy like Dylan Brooks back, I think, helps him in terms of that's going to be another fresh body that's that's barely played in this series when he gets out there on, on Monday night. So I, I think as the series goes on and the ever, every other day component with the travel, Saturday, Monday, Wednesday, back here for game six next Friday, six nights from, from today, I do think the longer it goes, it, it benefits the Grizzlies. So the impetus is on the Warriors to to win tonight and win quickly, get these two games. I think you win tonight if you're the Warriors. Then the Grizzlies are really feeling it yep. uh, to, to feel like they have to get a win on Monday. And then I think that helps the potential for a, a snowball effect to where then you then you come out and you can play a little freer if you're the Warriors in game four. And then maybe you get that one and you feel like you're in the in the driver's seat knowing that you've got a home game to end the series. That's the goal. If you're the team that's the underdog in a series, Whitey, the goal is to give yourself a chance to end the series at home, and the Warriors now can do that if they win tonight and win on Monday. Yeah, even without Dylan Brooks tonight, the Grizzlies are still clinging to that notion that, you know, we won earlier this year there, and we knocked them out last year. But if you beat them tonight, especially if you beat them soundly, it's like, well, that doesn't matter. That's ancient history. So you want to you wanna, uh, cleanse them of that notion that they can, they can beat you on your home floor. Now, tonight, the Grizzlies are, are looking for something out of Steven Adams. Warriors have been thrilled with the way they've rebounded so far in this series. That looked like it was going to be a disadvantage for them, and they've rebounded well. So the Grizzlies are hoping they get something out of Steven Adams in that department. I think the Warriors, are, especially if they're shooting well, I think the Grizz are going to have a hard time keeping Steven Adams on the floor. I think they're going to wish they'd never traded Valanciunas, but that's a whole nother uh, can of worms. So we'll see what Steven Adams is able to add tonight. I don't think, at least for tonight, I don't expect much from him, and I don't think the Grizzlies should be expecting much from him. Yeah, we'll have to see how that plays out. I know I was a little surprised from Game 1 to Game 2 that maybe the Grizzlies didn't go to Brandon Clark in the in the starting lineup yeah. uh, and, and take Xavier Tillman out. Uh, but it, they, they rolled with it, and, and Tillman had a decent uh, game two of the series in, in his 13 minutes. I mean, he's not going to be playing a lot regardless, but but he did score seven points on the interior, and, and you know, he, he was a help to them. So we'll see how that shakes out as far as, as Adams goes. I'm not sure. I don't know if Adams plays – a little bit doesn't play at all like it feels like everything's kind of on the table as far as as far as Adams goes for for this one but I do think the decision on Adams will dictate the way the Warriors want to to start the game I I think a little bit in terms of you know if Adams were to start does that mean Looney starts I mean you'd almost have to start Looney uh, at that point uh, if if Adams Mm -hmm. is in the starting lineup so remains to be seen uh, with the way the Grizzlies and the Warriors are, are going to have that shake out. Let's get Manuel in Dublin in here at 888-957-9570. What's going on, Manuel? Hey, good morning, guys. Great show as always. Um, I'm a little nervous about this game. Um, I know that you guys, you know, we, we, we talk about, you know, what, 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 Cur, what Curry and, and Clay can do. Um, this is where the rubber meets the road at, man, or where the basketball hits the court. I think I'm, I'm excited but a little nervous. Um, I like that coach for for Memphis too, man. He, he, he seemed like he got even that last the last call of the game in game one, the way that he got Ja open. Um, I, I just like I like that the team. I'm, I was kind of a Memphis fan during the offseason. Now I can't stand them. I hope we beat them. But um, what, what do you think of the coaching matchup, guys? Is there is there a decided advantage with with all Kerr's you know championship pedigree? You know, going back with with, with the Bill Jackson back in the day, but is, is there a coaching matchup? Or I, I obviously always come down to talent on the floor. But do you see any kind of matchup at all? You guys watch the ball, the, ball, the games like we do. Anything different that you could be a factor in this game at also? Yeah, th- thanks, Manuel. I, I think Taylor Jenkins is a really good young head coach in in, in this league. Uh, as far as an advantage and, and all of that, I mean, I think some of the question and look, it's popped up again. And I think this also relates, Whitey, to it, it relates to are the three-point shots going in or not. It's it's the when the Warriors don't win and the Warriors don't win in the playoffs, it the focus tends to be on the offense and and the Warriors' style of play with the, the you know the open ball movement system versus hey why don't you attack. X or Y, and I think you know if there is one complaint, it's maybe the Warriors are not 
attacking John Morant enough. They did it some in game one, maybe got away from it a little bit in game two, but attacking the weak links of the Grizzlies more specifically than just coming out and, and playing the open offense and and trying to to see if your three-point shot's rolling on a, on a given night. The Warriors do have a coaching advantage, um, and you're right. We know Taylor Jenkins is a really good coach, but that advantage really became apparent towards the end of the last game, even though Memphis ended up winning the game. And, J.D., you probably weren't privy to it because you're there, but we saw it watching on television because we got uh, we got to eavesdrop on the huddles at the end of the game in the fourth quarter. Steve Kerr's message to the Warriors, and I, I realize Memphis won the game, but Steve Kerr's message was one of, hey, it's the playoffs. It comes down, you know, it's possession by possession. We focus on each possession. That's the way the playoffs are. And, you know, that's a simple message, but they know it. And it was the right time to remind them of that. And he's lived it. So it was calm, but it was direct. Memphis, their huddle at about the same time. And I forget what the, it was had something to do with defense. But Taylor Jenkins, you could see, he's feeling it a little bit. He's a little amped and, you know, understandable. And But it was, uh, you know, hey, we got to do this. You could tell that he was feeling the pressure a little bit. So that's where there's an advantage in these close games. The first two games have been so close. You've got one coach and one team. They've been through it. Um, and they realize the importance of it, but they're able to focus more. And I think Memphis is still – they're still figuring some of this out. I think that's an advantage, not only a coaching advantage, but player experience advantage. And I would suggest that maybe one of the reasons why Memphis, uh, some of their – like Desmond Bain, who's a fine player, he's – where is he? I, I think they're feeling a little bit of that. My goodness, this is a second round of the playoffs against the Warriors. Where As for the Warriors, it's like, man, we're, they're focusing on getting through this, getting the next thing. So I think that's where there's a coaching advantage. It's nothing against the Grizzlies staff, but having been through it before so many times, I think, gives the Warriors a clear advantage. Yeah, it, it does. And I, I, I think I think that's well said as far as the the experience of, of the, the staff, but also the experience of, of the Warriors' better players at this point, kind of been there, done that. I, I do think at some point in a series, though, and, and I'm not sure we're there yet, maybe it happens in, in this game or the next game. I think typically it does in, in game three or game four. I think at some point a younger team arrives and they're just in it. And, and I think, you know, was that game two? I don't know. We'll see how the Grizzlies react tonight and, and then potentially on Monday. But I think at some point, a young team, and that doesn't mean they're going to win the series, but it means that, that they're no longer impacted by mm-hmm. maybe the inexperience until the end of the series. Like, I think there's a point where it clicks for the Grizzlies. And, they're just, and I'm not saying it's – in fact, I don't feel it's necessarily there yet. I think tonight will tell some of that story. Yes. But it clicks, and then they're just in the series – right up until the point where maybe it gets to a game seven and you're hosting a game seven and then that and the, and all of the angst and the energy that that comes with that now that's down the line obviously would be a week from week from Monday but I do think at some point even a young team like the Grizzlies just just settle in yeah and you're right I agree with you tonight will be a real real test of that in this uh hostile environment what do you got okay yeah you won here before but Playoff time. Let's see what you got. By the way, another key to this series, as we said last week, looking at the, you know, before the thing started, how uh, how many minutes is Jaron Jackson able to stay on the floor? And there he was. He fell out of the last game. So that going forward is a thing to keep an eye on. And Memphis still got it done without him down the stretch. But Jaron Jackson's foul trouble is one of the absolute keys to this whole series going forward. All right, he's Whitey Gleason. I'm John Dickinson. 888-957-9570. Who gets the start for the Warriors tonight? What are the biggest keys for the Warriors in Game 3 and Game 4? We'll continue the conversation. Uh, it is Warriors this week on 95.7 The Game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.